Welcome to the What's Your Ethos podcast. Hi, I'm Peter Colas, the CEO of Ethos. Today I talk with Priscilla Hung, the President and Chief Operating Officer of Guidewire. Guidewire is the dominant provider of core administrative systems to the property and casualty insurance carrier market. We discuss the transition from mainframes to on-prem to the cloud, the rapid implementation of AI and IoT, maximizing efficiency of enterprise sales cycles, and how to attract and retain the best talent. So let's listen in. Welcome to the What's Your Ethos podcast, where we interview the leaders from insurance carriers, distributors, and insure techs, tackling some of the thorniest issues in the industry. Hi, I'm Peter Colas, the CEO of Ethos. And today we have with us Priscilla Hung, the President and Chief Operating Officer of Guidewire. Founded in 2001, Guidewire is the dominant provider of core admin systems to property and casualty insurance carriers. They're publicly traded, and they operate in the U.S. and globally. Today, more than 500 insurers run on Guidewire. We are so fortunate to have Priscilla with us today. Priscilla, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Peter. I'm delighted to be here. So if we go back in time, you started life at Oracle and Sun Microsystems, which were you know, some of the most illustrious tech companies at that time. <laughs> How did you get into insurance? And Guidewire, you know, most people have an interesting story as to how they found themselves into the insurance industry. Yeah, that is a that's an interesting question. I would say I will capture it in two words: by accident. I didn't really plan it. I did never really aspire to be where I am today. Really, uh, when I graduated from school, I needed a job, and one thing led to another, and to end up where I am today. And if you really ask me when I was a kid, right? What would you want to do when you grow up, Priscilla? And I remember my first dream job when I was a little girl was to wrap presents in a Japanese department store. And because it was after observing the art and the precision and completely in awe in how those storekeepers wrap presents during Christmas time, origami style, I practically told myself this is what I wanted to do as, you know, as a career. So after finishing school in the East Coast, I came to America when I was 17 years old. I finished with an engineering degree. And then that was back in 1989. And I moved to the Bay Area for personal reasons. Well, of course, because just like everybody else, I need to pay rent. So I need to get a job. So that's when I started at Oracle back in 1989, when it was still a pretty small company up in Belmont Hills. And I joined Oracle because I have a childhood friend who was one of the early engineers at Oracle. So when I called him, he was like, hey, come over work for Oracle. Hmm. Now, however, I had no interest at the time in 1989 to really put my computer science and engineering degrees to work. And I distinctly remember during my first job interview, I told the head of HR Oracle that I did not know what position I wanted here, but I did not want to code. So in hindsight, why I really even got the job was nothing short of luck and a miracle. And also as a result, right, without planning my career, I spent a good decade wandering around, switching from job to job, try to figure out what I was really passionate about. So accidentally, I did many different jobs before I joined Guidewire in 2005. So looking back, 
really my aimless wandering around self-exploration period really has prepared me for the job I have today. Got it. And so you joined Guidewire in Corp Dev mm -hmm. 18 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, today, you're the president of the company. Mm -hmm. How, what was that journey like to your current role? Yeah. So first of all, in the last 18 years at Guidewire, I have done almost every jingle job in the company. You're absolutely right. When I first joined, I was asked by the founders and four of the founders at Guywire were my previous friends and coworker at Ariba. And they asked me, hey, come over. I would like you to um, help us to build our first partner ecosystem. So that was my first job actually. And, and, and thereafter, we had the corporate development, general business development, and so on and so forth. And it, it just evolved from there in the last 18 years. So I would say that when you join the startup, whenever there's a problem, sometimes whoever raised a hand got to solve the problem. And in the last 18 years, I raised my hand a couple of times. So I'm very grateful really for the opportunities the company has really given me. Right? And what's really interesting is that how we got to my position today is all those self-explorations and wandering around that I just shared with you in the first decade of my career really helped to prepare me to the job that I have today, or at least in the last couple of years. You know, in hindsight, it's really turned out to be a blessing in disguise because my exposure to different jobs and different industry and different technology providers really prepares me to be the useful Swiss army knife you know, I am today for the company. And most people don't think about Guidewire as a startup, but it was a startup when you joined it. Yeah. Uh, when I joined in 2005, I believe we have three customers and we're very, very small. And uh, we're in a very old building that uh, eventually was uh, shut down because of the earthquake, not very earthquake safe. Yeah, but it was some really endearing time and I really missed the startup days. Amazing. So if you think about the past 18 years and all the lefts and rights, ups and downs that a startup goes through on its path to becoming the market leader as Guidewire has done, mm -hmm. what, what accomplishments are you most proud of? Yeah, I would say that, that there are a couple of things. I would not be where I am today without the team. So I would say that where you know, where I am very proud of what the company has achieved, it would not have been possible without the team. So I would like to say like, we are, what are we proud of, right? In the last 18 years, that there are a couple of things. Guywire was started to address one and only one sector, which is the $2 trillion a year vast PNC insurance sector. And we started the company because we're very ignorant about how difficult it is to serve this industry. And in fact, the firm was founded by the founders, my friends, who knew nothing about insurance. And to be honest, that was probably the reason why we started the business to start, because we didn't know how hot it was. And in fact, we were told by people from the industry at the time, you know, don't, don't do it. Nobody will buy from you, right? So I would say that, you know, from starting a business when we're 
a little bit naive and ignorant, which turned out to be ignorant is bliss, to becoming the, the industry leader, you know, 20 some odd years later, is something that is a, a quite a, a big achievement, right? We learn a lot. We build a very solid team. We're very laser focused. We don't get distracted. We know exactly what the mission is. And we just continue to internally, we call it tunnel through the granite and bit by bit, day by day. And in order to achieve what we're set off to do in 2001. So with that alone, I'm very proud of the journey. Now, specifically, when we set out to do in 2002, 2001, was to really set out to transform the PNC industry by really lifting them from mainframe, green screen, COBOL systems to the modern world of Java. It's really simple. We didn't create anything new because the insurance industry, it's arguably 600 years old. What we're trying to do is not to create a new market, but to address a, a real enduring market with enduring and real technology that lasts for a very, very long time. And we're really there to improve and enable our insurers, our, our carrier customers to become much more agile and responsive to the market needs. And we're able to do that. And for the first, I would say, you know, 10, 15 years, that was what we set out to do. And then the second thing we did was, which is pretty significant for the company, was back in 2016, we started to think about the cloud paradigm. Uh, what does it mean to transform the same industry that we have been serving all these years to adapt and adopt the cloud and take advantage of it? So we started the cloud transformation journey in 2016. And honestly, it was a really, really hard thing to do. And, and also, I remember that I was asked to lead that effort to pivot the company. And I tried to search what are the use cases of complex enterprise software company that are vertical focused, that are able to transform from one paradigm to another paradigm as a public company. And I found a few, but not exactly apple to apple. So it was a really difficult thing to do. It is the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life. It is the hardest thing that anybody got involved. Um, it, it's for them to do as well, but together as a team, uh, we use the same approach. We focus on every day, our mission, what we're trying to do. And seven years later, we are a cloud service. It's through brute force, hard work, dedication, and uh, focus to what we're trying to do. And for that, I'm immensely proud of what we have achieved together as a company. So a lot of our listeners are at life insurance or PNC insurance carriers today, mm. sitting on on-prem software, maybe having a difficult time uh, migrating to the cloud. When you think about this massive obstacle that you guys have overcome or are in the process of overcoming, like just can you describe for our listeners, like what does it take to go from on-prem to cloud as a vertical software company? Yeah, so from our carrier customers, focusing on PNC, right? So I think that you can project also to the life insurance carriers as well is there are limitations if you're still using mainframe, right, or on-prem systems in terms of transforming and take advantage of all the new innovations out there. And also, I absolutely understand that why it is important to sweat 
the equity. We call it sweating equity. You know, if something is working, you don't want to change it because especially the systems that we offer to the market primarily are core systems. Those are vital organs that power the insurance companies. And to us, it's like, it's the heart is a vital organ. So how many heart transplants would you like to do? Probably never. <laughs> right. But if you know that your heart is not beating efficiently or something, it's going to be going terribly wrong. If you don't improve it, the chances are you need to take a leap of faith and swap it out. Right. But hopefully that you don't have to do it too often. Now, I think that by sort of transforming to the cloud, it goes back to what is it that you're trying to achieve as a business? When I looked at our customers that took the leap of faith and transform the GuyWire on-prem systems or the legacy system to adopt GuyWire Cloud, it could be because of cost, right? And they would like to figure out how do they can focus on the IT spending in areas that is closer to the business and much more responsible to the market and the business as customer. And really to transfer the operating, the service, the infrastructure responsibility to the cloud provider. We also have customers that have multi-year approach to get out of the data center because they want to focus on, again, the business effort responsive to the market, be competitive, launch new product very quickly by utilizing the cloud, be able to take advantage of integrations that, you know, for instance, cloud provider like us, we have hundreds of integration uh, ready to go from various technology partners that we have in the ecosystem. So it really depends on what is the motivation to the cloud. And once you have it, uh, you build a business case, and you look at who can help you to fulfill that need and to work with that uh, or partner with a solution provider and really get it going. Fascinating. And how long does it take? I'm just curious, how long does it take for a carrier to transition to the cloud? Yeah. So my experience is that it depends on where you started, right? So if you started from a 40 year mainframe system, and you take advantage of a cloud. Now it depends on how complex the system is, how customized it is. So we had a very uh, sort of a logical and well thought out approach to help estimate with our carrier customers. You know, what are the things that you need to keep? What are the things that you don't need to keep? And really uh, distill to the set of uh, project scope that is palatable and within your budget and accordingly. Now, there are also other things that there are other modality, right? So you might not be using a mainframe system. You might be using an on-prem system today, GuyWire, and you want to transition to the cloud. Now, those customers, we know them very well, right? Because they're existing customer. But we do also go through a similar modality to really understand what are the things they want to keep, they don't want to keep, and help them to stage out what to do first, what to do second, and so on and so forth. Got the it. So they they never fully go to the cloud, you're saying? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It. And it depends on the how complex their current system is. Some customer might opt to do it, everything at the same time, all lines of business, all states, all customer, right? All systems. But bigger and more complex the customer is, sometimes they want to phase it out. They want to have a one or two state rollout and then expand to other states. 
or they want to pick one or two line of business to go first and expand to other line of business over time. Now, there's a third modality as well is it is a completely a new business line. You don't have the uh, legacy on-prem or legacy system to transform. You just want to you know, turn on a new line of business using the cloud. And those are the much more straightforward and much more simple and not as involved as if you are transitioning an older system or on-prem system to the cloud. And we support all different modalities as well. Makes sense. Yeah. For us, it was interesting to learn that most life insurance carriers are on the first admin system they ever launched. That was a revelation for us as we got into the life insurance business. And what a liberating yes. advantage that was as a new entrant to the market. Yeah. So if if we take a step back and, and just think about, you know, yourself as a leader at Guidewire and all the different roles that you've had what do you love about your leadership role today? Like what really drives you? And then what are you less, you know, less enthusiastic about? <laughs> I don't think there is anything that I don't like, so to speak. So I, I, I'm a generally optimism, enthusiastic person. So every day I'm very motivated to get, th get things started. I would say that if there is one thing, now there are many things that make me love my job and love being where I am today. But I think if I have to pick one thing is genuinely, I care about my team. And over the last 18 years, we build a community that yes, is coworker. We, we you know, are friends that you make from work. And many of those friends are going to be my friends forever you know, way after I retire from this industry, right? For that, I'm really, really grateful. I genuinely care about them. And, and as I mentioned earlier, I really do not believe that I would have achieved what I've achieved today without the team. Amazing. So if we, if we talk about Guidewire, it's a complex, big product, you know, you, you help insurers thrive and amplify their success, but in short, in essence, what does Guidewire do? Can you tell us about the core products? What kind of you know, PNC carriers do you serve? How do you go to market? What are the key differentiators? Just give us a general kind of overview of the business. Oh, absolutely. Oh, you hit on a question that I could take an hour to answer, but <laughs> I, I, I would try to be as brief as possible. So as I mentioned earlier, Guidewire was founded you know, to provide core systems to a really large PNC insurance market. Now, when the firm was first founded, we're again set out to just do something that it's a centuries long problem well with technology, right? We didn't invent, we didn't invent the market at all. Now, so there are a couple of reasons like why we set out to do this business and it would explain what it is that we do. First of all, we didn't invent a market, it's a real market. It's been around for 600 years. If you are familiar with uh, the London market, the London market origin was Lloyd's Coffee House that was opened in 1686 when people got together in the coffee house as a place to discuss maritime insurance. And there was an early form of insurance, right? It's a real market. It's a mandatory market, meaning that it is regulated and oftentimes is not discretionary. You have to buy insurance. If you own a business, 
if people own anything of value, insurance oftentimes is not is not discretionary. You have to buy insurance, and it is a largely underserved market, meaning that as we discussed earlier, many of our customers were using were using mainframe, and they are still doing so today. So it is a market that. There's a lot of opportunity for Guywire and others to come in and help transform them to modern technology and today to the cloud. Now, last of all, is not that obvious, uh, but it's something that we love to mention is it is actually a really noble social platform. Now, when I joined the company, when the founders started the business, we're ignorant, right? And there are honestly a lot of fake news about what insurance industry really is out there. And that is not true. I got to know many of our customers since I joined and our customers spend the career in demifying and making whole people and businesses at times of perils and need. So I'm really humbled to be part of that social cause. I, I, I really think that I'm privileged to be able to provide something to the carry customer to really follow through with that pretty noble social cause. Now, with all that backdrop, what is it that we sell, right? We started off building core systems and that remains to be a major part of our business. Now, what is core system? Core system is vital organs, like the heart and lung of any insurance operations. Now, those are underwriting and policy administrating system, claim systems, policy systems, right? So without that, our carrier customer would not be able to run the business. So those are mission critical, important, very important core systems. Now, over the years, we have augmented the core system to also include complementary solution footprint, either through organic development or acquisitions. So we expand it into digital technology, we expand it into data analytics technology, to really help our carry customers to gain insights into the customers, ability to expand the portfolio, to expand the reach, uh, increase customer satisfaction and retention, and also very importantly, make much more informed underwriting and risk selection and pricing decisions. Now, what is our go-to-market approach? Now, these are really complex enterprise software. It's difficult to sell, is also really, really difficult to build, very difficult to build. The scope is from here to there, right? And it's not something that you can come out from stealth mode and in six months you have a policy system. I remember distinctly that it took us 10 years to build our policy systems and, and, and every day we're still continuing building it and making it perfect, right? These are really difficult to build and sell system. So how we do this, we hire the best field colleagues, sales, pre-sales, services, customer support, the best engineers and support staff to build the business, to make the transformation decisions, to help our customers to execute the plan flawlessly. Now the sales cycle is long, it is complex because as we mentioned, putting in core system is like a heart transplant, right? So the projects typically takes considerable effort and is involving. So what we do is we don't want to be just a vendor to our carrier customer. We want to be the partner from beginning to forever. And so, so can you give us some insight into the, the sales motion, selling core infrastructure into 
naturally slower and more conservative, you know, large companies is that's a a notoriously difficult sales. Can you tell us, you know, how long does it take? What does the implementation look like? You know, just how do you, how do you think about the go-to-market motion? Yeah. So that is actually a really complex answer because it, again, depends on where the carrier customer actually start from, right? right? So if you start from a mainframe 40 year cobalt system, the conversation could be a little bit different than if you are on-prem going to the cloud or you are starting a new business adopting cloud, which is probably the most straightforward conversation. But in general, since this is core system, this is mission critical, it is absolutely understandable that our prospects customer take time to make sure they make the right decision, right? So what does this sales motion actually look like? First of all, we don't want to be just be there and sell them things, right? So of course, selling is very important. That's drive the business and that's super important. We have a team of extraordinary professional and competent sales colleagues that help drive the business. But very importantly is you have to earn the trust of the carrier that you are not only providing the solution to them, but you are also the partner in this journey because it is not that straightforward, right? And these are complex enterprise implementation that sometimes is not perfect from beginning to end. So if there's blip along the way, you want to be right there with our customer holding the hands. So I think that of course, first of all, is to understand what is the technology challenge? What is the business challenge? So it involves some complicated discussion and discovery, which because we have done it for so long, we have examples to guide our customer how to think through this really complex Mm -hmm. problem. And we also have partners that have done it along the way with us that can also augment that skill set and help our customer make that decisions and ultimately execute the project. Now, so it's again, it's about building the trust, earning the trust, understanding the problem, explaining how our technology and a cloud service then help them to solve the business and IT problem, and then create what that project plan looks like. We have you know, templates because we've done it so many times. It's not, this is not a first rodeo. So we draw from uh, what we learned in the past, existing customers, years of implementing guide by solutions successfully and help to apply that lesson learned and help guide our customer to figure out what the implementation timeline could look like. Depends on the appetite, the resources, how much budget they have, right? And then we lay out the, the, the project plan and execute and we, stay very close every day to the project execution. The entire management team uh, get a Slack channel update every single day and every single one of our particular car projects. And this is how closely we monitor the progress of each project. So, you know, it, it and again, depends on what you're trying to do, you know, uh, uh, starting uh, and setting up a greenfield can be just a matter of weeks. We have customers that go live from beginning to end to in three to three to four months or even less. But if you're transforming to a 40-year-old mainframe system to cloud service, it could take 12 months, 18 months. So it really depends on where you started. But the important thing to take home is it is complex. 
It is not the most straightforward projects, but we are ideally suited because of our experience and our singular focus to customer success to be the best partner there is for any carrier customer who choose to take the path with us. Amazing. And when you think about your technology roadmap, what are the biggest focus points for innovation, right? And we're also sitting at at the middle of this AI revolution, or at the early stages of this AI revolution that's just transforming every aspect of business. Where do you focus on innovating? Yeah, so we absolutely support innovation out there. We constantly learn from the market and understand what the trend, how to actually evolve our product roadmap to take advantage of those new technology. Now, before I talk about innovation, I need to go back to the basic, right? So a lot has changed in the sector that we serve. However, even today, not everything is modernized yet. So if you look at where Guywai is, you know, 20 odd years uh, in business, we are by far the market leader in PNC globally. We're at about 25% of market share of the global temp. Now, for the remaining 75%, we estimated, according to Guywire, roughly about half of those remaining TAMs still using mainframe systems, hmm. right? So, so we still have a lot of mainframe systems that we yeah. want to transform to the cloud service today. So I think before even we talk about you know, AI, at the minimum, I would like to see the last mainframe system to be decommissioned and retire in the near future. Because realistically, the COBOL programmers that maintain those systems are all in retirement age and they don't teach COBOL anymore in college, you know, education. And you really don't want to trip over the power cord, right? Yep. So, that, so that, that's the baseline. I mean, it's at the minimum, there's still a lot of work to do in transforming, modernize uh, the core systems that the market is using. Now, that said, in recent years, the industry has adopted Uh, new innovation at rapid speed and to improve customer experience, launch new products, reach new markets, streamline the operations, make better underwriting decisions, and also reduce costs. Now, again, go back to the basic. If I look back to 2005 when I joined the company, you know, I need home insurance. I need auto insurance. I need life insurance. What do I do? I call an agent. Well, first of all, that was before Google. So I had to actually find an agent in the phone book, right? And I have to fill out forms on paper. I need to get on the phone, right? And every now and then you get through US post office, an envelope with your renewal notice or changes in policy or what we call debt sheets, right? It's all paper, all paper based. Now you fast forward 20 years, hardly anybody use paper anymore. Right, that's something that you take for granted about innovation. Right, that hardly anybody uses paper. Very few talk on the phone, and everybody is using mobile devices. Right, a couple of swipe left, swipe right. You know, answer a couple of questions in a matter of minutes. Right, not unlike how Ethos writes life insurance policy today. Yep. Right. So now to go beyond that, right? So transform from paper, right, and mainframe and and manual systems to today's world. Those are the things that, you know, the basic that we don't ignore. Now, on top of that, to name a couple of notable innovations of late, as you mentioned, adoption of AI, super important. Now it improves the claims processing experience. 
fraud detection, underwriting, and customer service. A lot of customers are using chatbot that are powered by AI, right? Around the clock, they're able to use the chatbot to provide 24 by 7 customer support services right. to the customer base and significantly reduce the response time because the chatbot doesn't have to sleep, right? And an improved customer experience. Now, machine learning AI will also become, in our opinion, a standard practice for our carrier insurers to continue to measure, model, make better risk selection and pricing decision as you continue to train the model to get better and better. Now, in addition to AI, there are also a couple of areas that I think is really important trend for our market. One is the ability to use mobile devices like your phone for augmented, what we call augmented or virtual reality. So what that means is that if you buy home insurance, you can use your phone to take a 3D photo of your house. You don't need to have an adjuster to come in and look at your house anymore. Yeah. Or if you uh, run into a car accident, you can use your phone to take pictures uh, as part of the claim process oh. without having, again, a claim adjuster to come to the accident scene. Right, A lot of these augmented virtual reality is made possible because of all these devices out there that it's, it's heavily adopted. So we will see continuous uh, innovation in that area being utilized to improve, again, customer engagement and also create you know, what I would think is an immersive experience for policyholders. Now, there's another thing about exclusive growth of IoT and what actually it allowed us to do. So it really allowed carriers to offer what they call dynamic pricing to the policyholders in the market. Right. Now it is made possible by, you know, all we, we heard, hear a lot about telematic devices that you install yeah. in your vehicles, or you can simply use your phone when you're driving your car right now, when you're distracted, when you are doing a lot of stud and start and stop. When you are, you know, exceeding the, you know, uh, the, the, the speed limit, your phone knows that, right? And which really feed real-time data back to your insurance carrier that can help to really adjust and provide usage and behavior-based insurance policy that caters specific to you, right? So these explosive growth of IoT, such as basic wearables, your smartwatch, your smart home sensors, your mobile devices, your connected and intelligent cars, connected and intelligent homes are all now being used to collect real-time data, feed it back to your insurance carrier to continue to learn about you, about the risk profile of things that you own and to personalize insurance policy for you. So there are a lot of very interesting things out there beyond AI, but of course AI is an area, particularly like ChatGPT, is something that is early days, but absolutely top of mind. Fascinating. And so Priscilla, there's so much TAM that mm. is left for you to take ahead of you, right? And I love what you started out with, which I always think about, don't get too distracted with shiny new things and instead just focus on innovating in, or just optimizing your, your core market focus and problem. Mm. But surely you've considered uh, the life insurance industry as a tangential mm -hmm. uh, market with similar issues that mm -hmm. your PNC clients, you know, have before your solution is implemented. 
How do you see the difference in the state of technology and opportunity between PNC and Life for Guidewire? Yeah. So, of course, when we set out, uh, founded this company, we are singularly focused in PNC. We continue to be singularly focused on PNC. But you're absolutely right because Life is an adjacent market, and I will be lying to you if we don't pay attention to it. And in fact, over the, over the years, we time and time again look into, hey, are there technology that we developed for PNC that can be leveraged? And it, are there things that we are you know, going forward in terms of innovation that we can create synergy with the adjacent market? Now, there are absolutely, and we can choose to do that, but we ought not to have done anything yet because of, there's so many things to do still for PNC. Yeah. Now we absolutely do believe that the life market out there have similar challenges, right? In terms of legacy, the need for legacy transformation, the need to adopt cloud innovations that probably would not have been possible without being lifted to the cloud, for instance, right? And the kind of agility that is required to be responsive to the competitor market. I mean, all those sort of business needs are very similar and IT needs as well, very similar to PNC. We'd absolutely see the parallel there, but our job has not been done for PNC. And in fact, I don't think will ever be done, right? So there are so much that we can continue to add value to the PNC. So we made a choice to continue to be laser focused and continue to get better and better every day to provide innovation, to make our cloud service mature, to get better and better, running more efficiently, and to put the uh, company in the path of, I would say, predictable, profitable growth for the company. Uh, it's something that is absolutely what we wanted to do and want to focus 100% of the time. Now, of course, never say never. There might be a day in the future that we say, hey, we're ready to apply our learning and the two decades of experience apply to the life market, but now is not quite the time yet. To give our uh, listeners a sense of the scale of the transformation that life insurance carriers need to make, I remember reading a white paper published by a database provider about one of their life insurance carrier clients that I won't name which had grown through acquisition and had 800 different admin systems to manage. And rather than trying to streamline into one unified system, their, their innovative solution was providing an interface that allowed employees at the carrier to quickly swap between the 800 different admin systems. And that was the great innovation. So it's really a complicated legacy technology issue that is you know, almost insurmountable in, in some cases in life insurance, I feel. I have come across uh, many Guywire customers. Now, yes, they have been writing and, and, and managing uh, the policy using Guywire, but, you know, they still have six different mainframe systems doing other things, right? And they have an approach, just like what you said, is perhaps to slap a digital front end and in front of these legacy systems. And it is, in our opinion, a Band-Aid approach, right? It, because eventually it, it will break, right? Every time when you update the front end, you're gonna have to upgrade the back, back end. And, and the threat, the integration between a legacy system or legacy mainframe system to, to, to the digital front end or innovative layer up front need to be constantly in sync. And one of the drawbacks of 
sweating the equity, so to speak, is it's not that easy to update your mainframe system, right? So, so eventually it will break. So I, our approach really is, you know, PNC or, or life facing similar challenges. Yes, you could do this, but eventually you're going to have to ultimately transform the underlying system so that you will constantly be up to date with the latest innovation and the latest technology that you don't get sort of hampered by uh, your decades-old system that slow you down. It makes sense. Yeah. So can we turn to your leadership, Priscilla? I've had... Uh, we've gotten to know each other over the last couple of years, and I've had an insight into your amazing leadership. Um, you know, can you share how do you manage the business day to day? What do you focus on? What are like the, really the important things for you to do? You know, yeah, absolutely. I would say any given day, um, there are different things to do. So, first of all, I'm an early riser. I wake up around four thirty and five o'clock, and the first thing I do is I get on email. And some of my colleagues in Europe, it was like crazy. I haven't had lunch yet. You're already sending you But um, I, I, I recently <laughs> found out that you can bring your iPhone into the shower to do emails in the morning. And it's almost, oh, I try not to it's, it's almost totally waterproof now. Oh, my goodness. I try not to do Zoom or do email in the shower. But um, any given day, I feel like I have like, you know, different things to do and a different day, different fires to put off. And I would say that, you know, since... 2016, the company has been transforming a business from on-prem to the cloud. And, and as I mentioned earlier, it is the hardest thing I've ever done, the hardest thing that anyone got involved have ever done. So it is really through a lot of continuous hard work, tunneling through granite, heroic dedication from each individual in the company to really make it happen. So we're now in a cloud service and we're working every day to improve and mature to make it better and better, right? So in terms of focus, no, I do I do have a pretty clear uh, mindset in my head about work is a, what is a work problem and what is not a work problem. Now, work problem, regardless of how we think it is, I think all of them are solvable with dedicated teamwork that all want the same thing. So if there is like one thing that I focus on every day that is pretty much consistent is to how to continue to support and motivate the team. So if you ask the team, so what is it like to work for Priscilla or work with Priscilla? I would say I have the back. I'm collaborative. I support the cause. I understand what they go through every day and I try to help out as much as possible. I'm very direct in my communication I provide very clear guidance and expectation. And I always tell the team, I'll take care of you. You take care of me. And we are one team and we sink and we swim together. So I'm very empathetic and compassionate for what they need, but I do hold them accountable for the performance and also the actions. And there's one thing, of course, outside of selling day-to-day -day business and technology problem, that I am mindful every single day, and I would encourage all leaders to think about the same, is how do you attract and how do you retain top talent? Because more top talent you have, well, they're top talent for good reasons, right? They're top talent to you, meaning they're top talent for other people who want to recruit away from you, right? 
So I think every day, talent attraction and retention is one of the utmost important tasks in every day and on my agenda and in any tech company's agenda, I believe. First of all, we have to be intentional to create a company with core values that make us special to work for and is differential. And we have to cultivate an environment where each individual in the company, their voice is heard. We also need to, as manager, continue to create opportunities for top talents to grow, right? And we're very busy every day and we spend a lot of time making sure that we produce work products, right? In the best quality as possibly can every single day. And of course that's table stake, but I always remind myself every day, I need to pay attention and understand each of my team members need because ultimately they are a person. They're not just robot that produce work, right? So I will do what I can to have as many conversation as possible with my team member to check the post and offer my help in terms of how I can provide guidance, training, advice, understand what they want really and help the individual to grow. I think it's super important every day. And also another important area that I think about every day. Now we don't we don't do it every day, but you know, outside of producing work product, I do think about it. I would encourage all managers to think about it because it's oftentimes under you know overlooked. Now you have top talents, we have a lot of smart people, but smart and top talent are probably one of the reasons why we promote people. Right. So you get promotion. Now, managers need to be trained and taught how to be managers. Right. So people don't all of a sudden know how to be a good manager and build teams and retain talents as they get promotion from a individual contributor. You know, it's not something that you through osmosis, you learn and draw from thin air. Right. So a lot of surveys really indicated that your manager and growth opportunities are the top reasons why people stay or leave a company, not necessarily money. So I think continuous caring for the team and understanding what they need, provide support, making sure that you help them to grow are definitely something that I pay attention to every day. Amazing. And let's get to know you personally really quickly to end. So what's your favorite place to vacation? I know you're someone who like famously doesn't like to take vacations. Yes, yes. <laughs> that is something that I would like to be very intentional to change. Um, you know, you would expect me to say Hawaii, but I'm not going to say Hawaii. I would just say that wherever I will be able to hang out with friends and family and people I love, I don't really care okay. where I go. I just want okay. to be with people that I really enjoy being with and I care about. What's the last topic or thing that you went really deep on learning that didn't have to do with Guidewire? Uh, last thing, a deep on earning. I would say that you're drawing from my first decade of random self-exploration, switching from job to jobs. I would just say, hey, never be afraid to try new things. The fact that you haven't done anything like work or, you know, learn a new language or learn to play a piano or whatever that is, right? The things that you've never done before doesn't mean that you cannot do it or doesn't mean that you're not good at it, 
right? So my seemingly random job switching, you know, in the first decade of my life turned out not to be random at all, right? In hindsight. So I've done many jobs in the past 18 years that if you really look at my resume at the time, I had no experience and not qualified to do that at all, right? But I survived. So I really think that, you know, if there's any learning at all drawing from my experience and my journey is there's nothing insurmountable with hard work, sheer will, and a very healthy dosage of self-awareness. Now, another thought is that if you're a manager, if you're an experienced person, I would encourage you to spend time to be a mentor. Help other people, show them the way, the path that you walk and the challenges that you face in your career are likely to be repeated by other people who would want to tread the same path. And also, if you are someone that would like career guidance, you're lost or you're not sure what's the next step and how to think about it, look for someone that can help you. Now, don't be shy about it. You will find that when you ask for help, there are many, many people out there who are willing to help. So I would say that those are my two thoughts to share. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, don't don't let anyone else be the authority on your own potential. You weren't yep. a president of a publicly traded dominant software company until you were. So. Yes, absolutely. Priscilla, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for taking the time. You're an amazing human. You're an amazing leader. You're sitting at the intersection of such interesting trends within such a large industry. Yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. I'm sure our listeners got a lot out of this. Thank you so much. And to all our listeners, have a, a wonderful day. We hope you got a lot out of it and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Peter. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of What's Your Ethos? If you're interested in helping to protect the next million families, come join us. You can learn more about ethos at ethoslife.com. I'll see you next time.